turn to the Lord again for His blessing on His Word, and we thank the Lord that we can turn to His Word this morning, but pray that it may be truly a blessing for us to receive it. Let's ask for that. Our Heavenly Father, for Jesus' sake, we do want to pray that our time around Your Word may truly encourage our lives and bring all the more glory to you, you, that your name may be magnified in our lives, at the church, and at your people as a whole. So may you accept our prayers for these things, that your spirit may be at work in us. For the sake of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are going to take a look at a few verses out of Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 there, and it's because those verses speak to baptism, and we're speaking about baptism this morning. We're looking at particular sacraments that we are able to utilize for the encouragement of our lives, the assurance of our lives in Christ. And so we're going to look at Lord's Day 26 as well after we read from Romans 6, verses 1 through 4, and you can find that on page 33 and 34 in the back of the blue hymnal. We'll read first from Romans 6, these words, verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And with those words from the scriptures, we now turn to the Heidelberg Catechism and consider these questions and answers that we have here that if you notice, you'll see this is very similar to what you see in the forms that we read, and also when we think about what we saw already in Lord's Day 25, the sacraments are signs and seals, the reminders, their assurances to us. Well, that idea of sign and seal, reminder and assurance, comes through in this Lord's Day as well, where it asks this question, starting off with uh, question 69, how does baptism remind you Sign and assure you, seal, that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally. The answer is in this way. Christ instituted this outward washing, and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away my soul's impurity. In other words, all my sins. Question 70, what does it mean to be washed with Christ's body, the blood, and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven my sins because of Christ's blood poured out for me in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed me and set me apart to be a member of Christ so that more and more I become dead to sin and increasingly live a holy and blameless life. Question 71 asks, where does Christ promise that we are washed with his blood and spirit as surely as we're washed with the water of baptism? And the answer is given in the institution of baptism where he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who doesn't believe will be condemned. Promise is repeated when Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sin. We thank the Lord for the truth of his word, and may they indeed be a blessing to us this morning. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I I can remember already when I was young that I used to hear people say, and I've I've heard it throughout my life, I I hear it among some that I know well, uh, that uh, they don't like being treated like a number, and I'm sure you don't either. Uh, We don't like being part of the nameless part of the herd. We get an offer in the mail and it addresses us as resident or occupant, like we're just kind of taking up space. And we just rip it up and throw it in the trash because we get annoyed by that. We get annoyed when we get an email or a computer printout and it lumps us with all the rest, you know, or maybe it'll say, and some, you know, some companies, they try their best, but they can be so big and they can be so broad and they can have such a breadth of, of a customer base that, you know, they send you something that says, Dear Valued Customer. But they don't know you. You know, you, you, they lump you with all the rest. Uh, they try sometimes to have a, a personal touch, but a lot of times it, it kind of goes uh, by the boards. Uh, maybe they mistake you for somebody else. That happens sometimes. Uh, and, and you fail to understand, they fail to understand sometimes, you know, that the personal element, the personal need, and it's because the company can be so big, or or maybe because the computer that is tied to them is, is disconnected from us. You know, we, we, we appreciate when people know who we are. They know our name. I, I, I battle that myself too often, where I'm trying to keep track of the names, and sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I don't get it right, and I, I want to get it right, because People want to be treated personally and not, uh, not like they've been forgotten. Well, the Catechism asks us the question, doesn't it? How does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally? Personally. The Gospel message is personal. It calls people personally to focus their faith on God's grace, on the washing of Christ's blood for us and the washing of Christ's spirit for us. It's meant to call people to see that salvation is for them, not just in general. It's particular through faith in Christ. Baptism serves to that end. In its message, in its message, it serves that personal element of gospel so that the believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ can be reminded as a sign and assured with a seal that Christ didn't just save people in general. He or she can be reminded and assured that he saved him or her personally. So that even if the world may treat us impersonally, and that can happen, or or where we kept ourselves doing that to others, we can be reminded and assured that such is not the case when it comes to the love of Christ for us 
which in turn, no doubt, will help us to deal with people more personally as well. So we're going to take a closer look at baptism's personal message then as we focus on the manner and the message of baptism. How that personal message shows itself in how it's given as well as in what it communicates. We see the personal message of baptism as it applies what is visible and also what it communicates, which is invisible. So it's applying what's visible, but it's communicating what is invisible. The first that it applies what is visible. It's visible. Baptism, we know, applies water. Something visible to its recipient. In whatever form that may be, it might be sprinkling or it might be immersion, but it's applying water visibly. The very application of baptism visibly is testifying to us that God is acting graciously and he does it by, a, by providing such a visible sign and seal to particular people he calls to receive it. And as particular people receive this sacrament, we can see that God is making this act of baptism a personal matter, an individual matter. And we can see that in three ways for sure. One way that we can see that baptism is a personal sacrament is by understanding that while the call goes out to all the nations to be followers and believers in the gospel, go out to all the nations and make disciples of every nation, not all from all the nations are called to receive baptism without some sort of qualification. You know, the call of the church, after all, is not merely to baptize everybody. Just as circumcision was not meant to be for all the nations, it wasn't, but it was for the covenant family of faith in Old Testament days, so also baptism, as we hear at the conclusion of Matthew's Gospel, as the Great Commission is uttered, baptism is not meant for all within the world indiscriminately. It's for those who become part of the covenant family of faith now in the church of Jesus Christ. You weren't supposed to circumcise every Gentile male in the Old Testament days until, until they, unless they came to faith. But if they did, then you would circumcise them and their male children. But also now in New Testament days, you're not supposed to be baptizing every person in the world unless they come to faith. But if they do, then you can baptize them and their children. You make disciples for the new covenant family of faith and you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No longer circumcision, but now baptism. Well, the point is this. Part of the reason that there is something personal about each and every baptism is because God and his Christ have ordained it to be so. Not just everyone. Not just everybody in general. But specifically those whom God has called personally are to receive this visible application. 
This is a divine calling given personally to everyone whom the gracious covenant God in Jesus Christ calls unto him. Another way that baptism displays itself as a personal sacrament is that the sacrament is applied personally, isn't it? Bodily. Physically. The outward sign of water isn't just displayed by, by pouring from uh, water from one container to another container. Or, or by taking some dirt and uh, putting it out on a platform and throwing some water on it. See, say, see how that just blends off the, the platform. And it's not just you know water that's thrown up in the air and say, yeah, see how it splashes and, and, and learning from that. It, it's not displayed by the minister performing some kind of washing ritual on himself. At the time uh, of, of baptism of a new believer or the children of believers. No. The outward sign of water actually touches the recipient. And it touches that person, not because the recipient has jumped into a pool or, or splashes water on themselves. It's because another person sprinkles, immerses water on him or her. The recipient isn't baptizing, he's baptized. You see, baptism's personal message is underscored by the personal contact that the recipient receives from the water. When somebody who comes to faith and salvation in Christ and under God's comes under God's gracious covenant domain, then salvation that salvation, that grace, isn't meant for somebody else at that point. It's for that person personally. So also then, baptism is applied personally to its recipients because what is being communicated to the recipient visibly is for this person personally. One is baptized physically, personally, because the reality of God's covenant mercies in Christ are his or hers personally. You're to be touched personally by the visible water to mirror the idea that you have been touched personally and really by the gracious covenant God. Now mind you, the water touches you you do not touch it. It is given to you. You don't take it. You receive it passively, not actively. It points to the grace of God that way. It points to the grace of God again. Given to you in the blood of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The minister of the word and sacrament who's representing that's, that's part of his heavy calling. He's representing God. He's representing Christ that way. The minister of the word and sacrament in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is baptizing you. 
Baptism is always in the objective sense for the recipient. Always in the passive case of being baptized, not in baptizing oneself. Because one can no more baptize oneself than save oneself. We don't bring people up here who make a confession of faith, who have never been baptized before, and say, here, put some water on yourself. Nobody baptized oneself because one can no more baptize oneself than save oneself or regenerate oneself. Baptism is what the triune God gives in his name personally. In a physical manner to reflect the personal nature of the grace that we come to know through the covenant God in Jesus Christ. And the personal nature is also seen, thirdly, in that this visible application provides us through both sacraments reminders and assurances of what only God can provide to us as sinners. God, you see, doesn't just want, want us to know that he is a savior in Christ, in super general terms. He wants us to know that he is our personal savior in Jesus Christ. He certainly doesn't want the believer merely to know that God might possibly save him someday, but who knows? Or merely to know that God is a gracious God in general, or that God makes salvation a possibility to some people, or that if, if we work hard, someday by grace our merit will save us. Now God gives us baptism personally so that we might be reminded, signed and assured, feel personally as we focus on Christ's blood and spirit by way of that baptism that this salvation is as certainly ours as it is others who rest on the grace of God. In his wisdom, God knows that we in our sinful tendency to focus on ourselves need that visible, that visible sacrament to keep our focus on Christ so that we can know that the gospel, God's gracious covenant ways in Christ are for us personally and not just for somebody else. Now, the reason that it comes visibly is, is for our encouragement. And that's what, I mean, that's why I'm bringing this up anyway, isn't it? I mean, to encourage you that way as you're looking at a baptism or looking at your baptism. But now, the reason that it comes visibly is, is for our encouragement, but it, it, it comes our way visibly because, as you can tell, as we see this again, it's communicating something to us that is invisible. Because we live by faith and not by sight. Right? We live by what we hear regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we confess is true by way of the apostolic word of God. Blessed are those who do not see, but yet believe. Well, what do they believe? The gospel that speaks to us about the gracious, saving work of God in Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. And, and our passage speaks in part of that divine invisible work. When it states that when we were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into his death, 
so that we have now become a new creature in Christ as the Spirit of Christ applies that newness to our lives. But, but whether we're speaking about the grace of God the Father or the washing of Christ's blood at Golgotha as the only sacrifice that can take away our sin and make us right with God, or whether we're speaking about the washing of regeneration by way of the Holy Spirit that has renewed me and has set me apart to be a member of Christ, that more and more I become dead to sin and increasingly live a long, uh, holy and blameless life, whether we're speaking about justification or regeneration or sanctification uh, by Christ or by the Spirit of Christ, what we're speaking about is things that we can't see, that we haven't seen and that we don't see. I mean, who in our age has seen the crucifixion of Christ physically that pays the price of sin? You might have seen some reenactments, but that's not the cross. It's not the crucifixion. Who has seen that in our age? Nobody. <coughs> Confirmed by the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. Who's seen that? Nobody. <laughs> Who's seen one's heart within, let alone the work of the, the Spirit to change that heart? from what was stony to what is flesh, from what was dead to what's alive. Nobody's seen that. Jesus would say that the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Who sees the invisible God work his grace personally in the heart of people? Who has seen the Christ whose blood was shed, let alone his shed blood? Nobody. None of us have seen those things. And the reason we believed them in the first place was not because we saw them, but it was because the apostolic word of God testified to them. That Christ came sinners to save and that, that no one could confess Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, so whether it's the salvation won or the faith to believe in the one who won salvation for us, there is this invisible element involved with the grace of God, isn't there? Christ's salvation of us in Christ's death on earth long ago, and his Spirit's renewal of my heart in my life here on earth today. What they have in common is they're both invisible. They're both invisible to the physical heart. But both are part of my testimony of truth and faith. God, by His grace, has washed away my sin by the blood of Christ once for all, long ago. And God, by His grace, has made me a new creature to trust and obey my Savior today. And I can trust that about myself personally through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But God, in his mercy, communicates to me visibly through baptism what he has done invisibly, but really and personally by his grace. Baptism is not without definition. It serves the Word of God. It gets its meaning from the Word of God in part from Romans 6. So it's not an empty sacrament. 
It's a defined sacrament. And it is in its definition, God in His mercy is bringing a personal message. No different from the Gospel message of the Word, but a message that can be seen that points to that personal transformation that God has carried out in us by His Son and by His Spirit. By His Son no longer condemned, by His Spirit no longer spiritually dead. And God knows we need that. He knows that we need that visible sign and seal to remind us and to assure us of what we cannot see with our physical eye, but what we are called to believe with our spiritual eye of faith. The one sacrifice of Christ on the cross was for me personally. I've been forgiven by the blood of Christ, and I have been renewed by the Spirit of Christ. Not by baptism. Oh no, not that. But by God Himself through Christ and His Spirit. That's a divine message to you personally, believer. As a sign, you are not to forget what God has done. As a seal, you are not to doubt it. Baptism speaks to the grace of God that we need as sinners so that we might not find our lives focused on ourselves in doubt and spiritual forgetfulness, but on Christ and Spirit and God. As an act of grace itself, baptism speaks to God's grace in Christ. We can be reminded in a, in a most comfort, uh, comforting way that when it comes to the grace of God, we know that we're not just a number. We're not disconnected from it. We're not just part of the herd. No, we can hear God say in baptism, fear not, because I've redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You're mine. And we're called to take that salvation and that covenant grace of God in Christ personally. Baptism communicates that personal message of God's invisible grace of Christ's blood and spirit in a visible way for our benefit. So that while the world might indeed treat us impersonally, and we might find ourselves, unfortunately, and sad to say, treating others that way at times, we can be assured and we can be reminded by our baptism that the gracious covenant God will never treat us that way. And that's good news for our lives. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we are astounded and in wonder about your ways in which you work. You are a gracious God, and you show that so plainly in your word, the transforming power that you carry out so that we are no longer condemned because of Christ, 
and we are no longer spiritually dead because of your Spirit. And Lord, we're grateful that you give baptism as a, a sign that that's not just a, a, a general gospel truth. It's true that is. But that it's a personal one. That when we come to that faith and when, when you have called the nations to be, to be recipients of the gospel, and you've, you've called your church to make disciples of all nations, that they are to be baptized so that they can be reminded and assured that what Christ has accomplished as Savior and King is not just in general or a possibility or a maybe. But it's a reminder, it is, it is ours personally. And baptism reminds us and assures us of that. And we take that to heart as we reflect on our baptism, as we are called to faith in Christ. That you don't treat us as a number. That you don't treat us as our sins deserve. But that you treat us, Lord, so different than the world may. And, and that we might treat others. And that you treat us in a personal way that has eternal ramifications. Thank you for what Jesus Christ did long ago. Thank you for what your Spirit does in people's lives today. And thank you for baptism that reminds us and assures us of those very things. Personally, we pray in Jesus' name.